it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. You just trust. Believe. When I was around the ages of 12 to 14, I can't exactly remember, my friend Jane invited me to go to Cape May with her and her family for a week. They had rented out half of a mansion on one of the main streets of Cape May, New Jersey. I had been there before, but had only ever stayed in small hotels. If there's one thing you need to know about Cape May, it's that it's haunted, like the whole town. Some people say it's because of the large amount of naturally occurring clear quartz, which supposedly attracts and holds a lot of energy, both good and evil. They offer ghost tours and haunted trolley rides. They make it a big tourism selling point. I have always been a big believer in the paranormal, so I loved going there and doing the tours. I had never had an actual experience, though. Not until this story. I learned that the house we were going to be staying in was on the most haunted street in Cape May. Each house on the street was a large Victorian-style home, most renovated and split into two separate units. I was so excited when we finally got there, I wasted no time looking around. In the house, it was me, Jane, her parents, aunt and uncle, and finally, her cousin, along with his friend who we were already friends with. Jane and I got a room with two single beds and a large air vent in the wall directly across from one of the beds. The vent was huge, perfectly square, and large enough for someone to fit into. We had a bathroom directly across the hall from us, and the door was not what a bathroom door would usually look like. It had a huge pane of frosted glass in the middle, large enough that if you were in the bathroom, you could see the entire fuzzy silhouette of someone standing outside. Very awkward when getting in the shower or using the restroom. The door handle was also very old and was really hard to turn. This detail will be important for later. The first few days of the trip go by without incident. I have a blast at the beach with my friends and am generally enjoying the vacation. My experience started one afternoon 
when we were all home from the beach and relaxing. The parents were sitting outside sipping wine, while my friends and I were in the living room downstairs watching South Park. I had to use the restroom, so I decided to go upstairs to the bathroom with the frosted glass. I don't know why. Maybe I didn't want the boys to hear me peeing or something. Anyway, I yanked the bathroom door open and locked it behind me. Seconds after, sitting on the toilet, the door handle began shaking. Violently. It was like someone was twisting the knob so hard and so quickly that the whole door shook, the glass rattling along with it. It scared the piss out of me, literally, and I quickly yelled, I'm in here, and just like that, it stopped. As I watched it the entire time, I didn't see anyone outside of the door through the frosted glass. I even waited for a second to see if they would pass the door and go back downstairs, but I didn't see anything. When I washed my hands and left the bathroom, I checked all the rooms upstairs to see who it was, but no one was there. This didn't make sense, because there was only one staircase to go downstairs, and you would have had to walk by the bathroom door to get there. I was scared, but also annoyed, I marched downstairs and into the living room. Who was trying to get into the bathroom? That wasn't funny. My friends looked at me perplexed. We liked to pull pranks on one another, but usually Jane would give it away by laughing. This time though, she wasn't laughing, just staring at me, concerned. Uh, no one. None of us went upstairs. I felt a frightening twinge in my stomach, but needed to check one last thing before I let myself freak out. I went out to the parents on the porch and asked if anyone had tried using the upstairs bathroom. Surprise, no one did. I was thoroughly spooked. Even now, tenish years later, I get the same feeling of uneasiness deep in my chest. That night, Jane and I fell asleep in our respective beds after turning the lights off and saying goodnight to our friends. I don't know when exactly we ended up falling asleep, but it was past midnight. I suddenly woke up, feeling nauseated, and shot up straight in my bed. I checked my phone quickly and saw it was 2.58 a.m., I remember this all so vividly that I can picture my phone screen in my mind, which is why I remember the exact time. The lights had been turned on, and my blankets were pulled to the very bottom of my bed, and I had a horrible feeling, like I was being watched. I glanced over to Jane to see if she was still up, but she was sound asleep in her bed. I turned my gaze directly in front of me where the large air vent was, and I swear, every hair on my body stood up. Even with the lights in the room on, the inside of the vent was pitch black. It was like that blackest paint in the world, Vanta Black, had been painted on the inside. The shadows swallowed all the light. The vent was covered by an old ornate gate with some large gaps, but I could tell something was in there. 
watching me. I quickly sprinted out of the room and ran downstairs where I contemplated what to do. I was terrified. I ended up turning on all the lights in the living room and watching TV until it was light outside, and then snuck back upstairs to try and go back to bed. Jane still seemed fine, but even with the light of dawn peeking through the windows, I couldn't shake the fear I felt. I did not end up falling back asleep. That morning, while we were having coffee on the porch, Jane's mom, I'll call her Lily, came out of the door looking exhausted. We asked her what was wrong, and as she sat, she sighed and said that she had had weird dreams all night long. In the middle of the night, she woke up unable to move. Through the darkness, she saw Jane standing at the edge of her bed, saying, Mommy, help. I'm scared. Over and over. Although she didn't sound like Jane, whatever was at the edge of her bed, she knew it wasn't her daughter. Lily blinked, and Jane was gone. Finally able to move, she rolled over onto her side, only to see Jane now standing right beside her bedside table. This time, she didn't say anything, just stared at Lily. All of a sudden, Lily returned to lying on her back again. Confused, she checked the time, and it said it was around 3 a.m. This made my heart drop right into my stomach. There's no possible way Jane could have gotten to the primary bedroom on the first floor without me seeing or hearing her since she would have had to walk through the living room. I started feeling sick again and went inside to lie down. I ended up not telling anyone about my experience because as the day went on, I felt sicker and sicker. I felt cold and extremely nauseous and spent the entire day in bed. By nighttime, I felt so sick that I was pleading for my father to drive three hours to Cape May to come get me. Thankfully, I have the best dad in the world, and within minutes of that phone call, he was on his way. By the time he made it to Cape May, it was around midnight, and I could barely get out of bed from how nauseous I was. However, the second I got in his car and was out of the driveway, I immediately felt fine. Like, completely fine. I felt kind of bad for leaving, but I did not want to stay another night in that house after the one I had just had. No one else in that house had any experiences, at least not that I know of. While the air vent thing could have just been me being scared of nothing, I don't know how to explain the bathroom door handle. It was so hard to twist, and the fact that it was being twisted and yanked so hard that the entire door was shaking makes me feel like whatever was trying to get in the bathroom wasn't friendly. This has been my only ghostly experience, and while I love spooky things and the supernatural, I think I've had my fill for now.
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This happened when I was in my junior year of high school. For some backstory, I used to experience sleep paralysis often since I was around the age of 16. For some odd reason, my sleep paralysis episodes always happened around the same time, 3 a.m. I always tried to convince myself that it was just a coincidence. What I would go through during these episodes was nothing short of terrifying. Yet over time, I had grown accustomed to the routine. I would wake up unable to move, and the sound of anything around me would just fade out. I only heard what happened within the episode. My bed faced the bedroom doorway, where I could see the stairs leading up to the second floor of the house. I would lay there and watch this tall, slender creature make its way up the stairs and toward my room. Towards me. I could do nothing but watch as the creature, with the body of a slender but muscular man and the face of some twisted, grinning rabbit mask, made its way to me slowly, gracefully. Its body and face were covered with scars and symbols, and I I say face because, while it may have looked like a mask, it seemed like it was fused to its body. This creature would stare at me from the doorway of my bedroom for a few minutes before quickly getting on top of me and strangling me. Everything around me felt cold, and all I could hear was this thing telling me to say its name. It would repeat over and over while strangling me, Say my name. Say my name. I would gasp for air. Its voice sounded almost demonic, like nails on a chalkboard, but at the frequency of radio static. This would go on until the creature would disappear. I would just be able to hear my surroundings again, and I would be able to move. After that, I would try to get myself to sleep. As I said, it was routine. I didn't tell anyone about these episodes for fear of being perceived as crazy or delusional. No one knew until my junior year. I was on a late-night phone call with my boyfriend at the time. His voice had started to fade out, almost as if he were being submerged underwater. Everything became cold. It was happening again. Apparently, I had fallen asleep, and I was now having an episode of sleep paralysis. As the routine went on, I lay there, trying to get it over with as quickly as possible. It said it over and over, say my name. I never knew its name, so I could never do as it asked. Once this thing had disappeared and I was out of the episode, my boyfriend's voice started to fade back in and I could hear him faintly saying my name, asking if I was okay. I'm all right, I'm sorry, I said before explaining everything that happened to him, finally. This was the first person I had ever told, let alone the first person to ever be present during an episode. After comforting me, he said, 
That explains a lot. But I have to ask, was there someone in your room with you? Maybe your dad? I was confused and I asked, no, why? Then he said something that still makes my blood run cold. While you were trying to breathe, I heard somebody saying, say my name over and over again. To this day, I still can't explain or understand how he heard this creature as well. I've named this thing Nightmare Nobody. My sleep paralysis episodes have stopped since I was 20 and I'm now 23. But I still ask myself, was there always something in my room with me? What did it want? Why did it want me to say its name and is it still with me? Waiting for me one day to say its name. Whenever I'm asked about having any supernatural experiences, I don't have much to say, other than instances of sensing energies or seemingly haunted electronics. However, something happened to me last week that has me thinking more and more that there might be something watching or protecting me, but luckily, not at all in a bad way. I recently moved back to my home state of Pennsylvania from across the country and have been crashing with family while waiting for an apartment. My mom, new stepfather, and sister all live in the house. I have a 10-year-old cat that is my absolute soulmate. I dragged the poor guy there and back, too. He has slept beside me his whole life, and I treasure him above all else. My sister, who grew up with him as well, loves him, too, and it's not uncommon for her to steal him from me in the night. After drifting off for about 15 minutes, I regain a bit of consciousness in which I can make out a figure lying next to me, petting my cat, who was curled up next to my head. Instantly, I believed it was my sister, as she's the only person in the house that would do this. I didn't mind, and in my twilight state, I saw her get up and head toward the door, which was in my direct line of sight, with minimal light peeking out from underneath. Only. I found it strange that she didn't open and close the door again. Some time passed, and I started to wonder if she was playing some rude joke on me, waiting in the corner of the doorway to startle me, which isn't entirely out of character, but strange. A few more seconds passed, and I sat up, now fully conscious, and asked, What are you doing? only to find that no one was there. Bewildered, but not enough to stay awake. I just laid back down and fell asleep for good. Not at all alarmed. My cat was not alarmed either. The next morning, I remembered what happened and, to my surprise, realized that it mirrored an experience I had about seven years ago, when I was a teenager. I remember waking up at around 3 a.m., which I now know is the typical time for these things to happen. It was a similar deal. I'd woken up because I sensed someone in my room, 
and at that time I thought it was my mother. I slept with my door open and had a twin-size bed against my wall with a dresser next to it that functioned as both an end table and a space to display memorabilia. I had just gotten into collecting minerals and in the darkness, I thought I saw a figure standing in front of where my collection was set up. I remember thinking that it was my mother looking at them for some reason, like how one would at a museum. She had never really shown an interest in those things, and I found it strange, but she sometimes came into my room for things when I was asleep, so I thought that was the case and closed my eyes again. I may have called out, but I can't remember. I just remember feeling so strongly that it was her, and therefore I felt safe and calm in her presence. But again, I never heard her walk away, and my childhood home was full of squeaky floorboards. I don't know how I reached this thought, but I began to panic after realizing no one was there, wondering if my mother had passed away in her sleep and came to greet me as a spirit. I got up and walked into her bedroom, where I found her fast asleep and breathing. I wonder if there is a guardian angel spending time with me, and I promise it's not because I just recently watched and cried to Wings of Desire. I wonder if it might be the spirit of a female ancestor, since I mistook the figure for women in my family twice now. I was always told that my great-grandmother was drawn to me as an infant and even left things for me in her will. She passed away when I was nine, never knowing who I was when I would visit due to suffering from dementia. I wonder if it could be her, and I'm thinking about booking an appointment with a medium to see if that isn't the case. I actually survived two near-death occurrences this past year as well one involving a stray bullet coming through my bedroom, and the other involving a lethal concentration of cyanide in a water sample sent to the lab I was working at. My sister, although across the country from me at that point, survived a car accident that was one hair away from being fatal, walking away with only a nosebleed. I believe that everything happens for a reason, and that there are no coincidences in life even though it is, at its core, cruel and unpredictable. After all, there is nothing new under the sun, and that phrase has guided me for years. I feel like there just must be someone or something out there looking after us, because I can't say we have led lucky lives. To whatever that is, I'm thankful, and I hope you make your presence known to me again someday. To start off, I want to talk about my home. We live in a small farming community in the state of Georgia. My husband and I bought an old farmhouse in the neighborhood that I grew up in in the year 2020. My home was built in 1939 and is right around the corner from my mom's house. We bought it because it was close to my family, and the minute we walked into that home, we felt like it was meant to be ours. People say that when you know, you know. 
So we made the big jump of buying and restoring this beautiful little farmhouse. The first few months were smooth sailing. Everyone came to visit and everyone loved our little home that we worked so hard on. The only thing was everyone, my husband and I included, talked about how we never truly felt alone in the house. It wasn't a scary feeling like being watched or anything. It just felt the way it feels when you and a family member are home at the same time, but not in the same room. Never once did we feel scared, nor did someone talk about feeling scared in the house. To jump to the first story, we lived in our house for almost a year when my husband and I caught COVID. I know that nowadays that isn't the scariest thing, but when we caught it, it was a very serious strain. We both are healthcare workers and were exposed to the worst of the worst strains. I luckily was not very sick, but my husband sadly caught a very bad case. He had a cough that was so bad, he would cough until he threw up and hardly ate because he was so sick. One night he was having to sleep on the couch because he could only breathe when he was sitting up. So I took an air mattress into our guest bedroom so that I could hear him better in case he needed me. I was asleep on this air mattress with the smaller of our two dogs, Lenny, who weighed around 10 pounds, when he started growling at the top corner of the mattress. I thought it was odd, but I decided to try and go back to sleep because he was more than likely just trying to get my bigger dog, Ollie, who weighs about 100 pounds, to play with him. He then was so upset that he jumped up on the top of the mattress and he growled at this dark corner of the room. I opened my eyes to look where he was growling, but suddenly I felt this heavy weight on the mattress next to me, like someone had sat on the mattress. My blood ran cold. I rolled over to face the direction of the person sitting on the mattress next to me, and to my shock, no one was there, and there was no impression like somebody was sitting there. I jumped up and I left the room because I was so scared and decided to go wake my husband up. He wasn't on the couch where I left him, sleeping. He had moved to our bedroom, and I hadn't even heard him get up. I decided that Louie had probably barked at him and the mattress moving was just me imagining things in my sleep because I do have a history of sleepwalking and sleep paralysis. Now, I haven't had sleep paralysis since I was a kid, but I was always told it could resurface in times of high stress and anxiety. That was the first event that I can remember in our house. The next happened a couple of months later when we decided to go to town for dinner one night. We decided to take my mom to dinner. My husband and I drove separately, me picking my mom up and him meeting us there because we had separate errands to run. We had dinner, then ran our errands, and after I dropped my mom off at her house, I headed home. When I got home, my husband had beat me there, so I pulled into the driveway and I watched as the lights started turning off in the house, starting in the front and working their way to the back. This is my husband's normal walking pattern, so I just assumed that he was going straight to bed. I went in the house, went to the bathroom, and then went into our bedroom and made some snide comment along the lines of, thanks for turning the lights off on me, asshole. My husband looked at me, very confused. He asked what I was talking about. 
I told him how I watched the lights turn off, starting in the front, then to the back of the house. He told me that he did not turn the lights out on me because of the fact that when he got home, we had forgotten to leave any lights on since we left in the daylight. I told him that was so funny and that he could quit messing with me, but he told me that he was not and that I needed to quit talking about it. That may sound harsh, but at the time, we had a policy in place of not speaking about any of our experiences on the property because one of my friends who had lived in a very active house told me that the more you talked about it, the more power you gave it. So I got a little nervous and I stopped talking. The next day, we had to make a quick trip to the hardware store to get some supplies for a project that we were working on in the house when my husband asked me to tell him, start to finish, what I had seen the night before. I explained getting out of the car, watching the lights go off one by one in a slow pattern that matched his speed and usual routine when we went to bed. He began to look nervous and told me that he had in fact beat me home, but he had been there a solid 20 minutes before I even pulled into the driveway. He said that he came home and there were no lights on in the house because we had left in the daylight and we forgot to leave any on. So he came in and he turned on the kitchen light for me, but that was it. He also said that right before I came home, he thought he had heard me walking through the house as I had just gotten home. I told him that I was starting to get nervous about some of the activity in the house, but as long as nothing crazy happened, we could just ignore it and hopefully move on. It was a while before anything happened. We stopped talking about it altogether and thought that maybe that was the solution. Let's act like it never happened. Maybe it'll go away. A few months after the light situation, I went to church with my grandma. It was on a Sunday. The church is actually right next door to my house. It's separated by just a field and a thin tree line. This is one of those tiny little southern churches that you see on TV that only a handful of people go to. Think Dolly Parton's church in Coat of Many Colors. After the service wrapped up, an old man approached me and asked if I was the one who had bought that house. They asked if I was renovating. I told him that it was in fact me. He told me that his aunt and uncle were the ones that built the house that it was a great little house and probably filled with nothing but love and good energy. I told him that I would love to know more about his aunt and uncle, and he told me that they were older when they built the house, maybe late 50s, early 60s, and that they were the best people he ever knew. If there was ever a child in the community that needed anything, they all knew that his aunt and uncle would take them in, and that his aunt was, in fact, very good at helping birth babies. He said that our house was a hot spot for women to come to and have their babies because when it was built, it was easiest to keep warm. I excitedly came home and told my husband all about what I had found out that day and he also agreed that it made him feel good living in the house with that kind of history. Time went by and nothing special happened until one night in January of this year when the wildest thing I could imagine happened. My husband left for work at around 8 p.m. He works the night shift, and I just had this feeling that something was off. 
I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I was just a little on edge, which was rare for me because I've stayed in the home at night for almost four years by myself, and I was never scared. I went to bed pretty early because I had to be at work at six in the morning the next day. I woke up around 2.45 and I felt super anxious. I thought I had heard something outside my window, but I told myself that it was more than likely just a dream. I rolled over and tried to go back to sleep when all of a sudden, I could feel my heart rate increasing and felt adrenaline pumping through my veins. And then I heard it. The sound of shoes going through my house for the briefest moment. And then I heard a tapping noise. My smallest dog started barking, and before I knew it, I was on my feet grabbing my husband's pistol out of his nightstand and going into our dining room. I looked up, and I saw a man looking through the front door, pushing on the glass. We made eye contact, and I raised my gun. He bolted, but not before Opie, my large dog, managed to get out of the back hall that he sleeps in and bound to the front door. I ran back into our room to get my phone. I called my husband and the police. We filed a report, but there wasn't much to be done. They found the man's tracks in the frost, but they lost them in the church parking lot. I told my husband and the police what I heard. The police said that the would-be intruder didn't make it into the house, so I probably heard him on the porch. My husband and I knew better. We knew that someone had woken me up and got me stirred up enough to be brave. At the time of the incident, with the break-in, I was working in an emergency department. I had a patient a couple of weeks after the incident that was in her room when her mom came in. I felt like she was staring at me the whole time, which was not unusual, but then I noticed she wasn't staring at me, she was staring past me. She ended up telling me that she was a registered medium and that someone had a message for me. She said, and I quote, I believe there is a man somehow connected to your house, possibly that wants you to know that he's watching out for you and not to be afraid. I felt the air get sucked out of the room because the only thing I had ever said to her was my name. I went home and thought about it for days. That was the last major event in the house. I'm sorry if this was long-winded. I felt that the story was much better with all of the details because isn't the devil in the details? We've had a few other small happenings since then, from smelling perfume to hearing whispers and the most dramatic feeling like my hair was brushed behind my ear one night when I was sick. It's always interesting to tell people that I live in an active house. We don't prefer the term haunted because that feels malevolent in some way. We don't feel scared or that we're in danger. We enjoy the thought of having a watcher, someone who keeps an eye on us. If you have any questions or need anything clarified, please feel free to reach out or just ask. I'm always happy to talk. We no longer believe in the no speaking rule. We speak of it, just not in a bad light. We respect and don't challenge it.
In the third story, the author mentions having a female guardian of sorts. They mention believing in something or someone looking after us because we haven't had lucky lives. I wanted to hear your thoughts on that because unless I'm misinterpreting what they're saying, I think if anything, these sorts of things show how lucky we actually are. Everything from inexplainable, unprompted premonitions, saving people from real danger, to how coincidentally perfect the distance is between the earth and the sun. Yeah, there's like this, I forget who the author is, but there's a song, like a Christian song that was on the radio when I was a kid. It's really corny and cheesy, and I'm sure if I listened to it now, it would just sound silly. But it's like the whole song, the singer's just kind of describing how the universe works how everything's in perfect balance. And it, it all kind of crescendos to the amazing coincidence of everything and how, how life works. And I, th I think about that song a lot of the time and it's kind of all just fate, right? Like everything is planned out there. You know, we have free will, but it's like everything is planned and the universe has worked out the way that it is. We exist because of the way things were planned. And maybe that has something to do with guardian angels and gut feelings, things like that, why they're so strong and why they even exist. Yeah. It's almost like everything has just been a perfect storm. It's way too perfect to be just a coincidence. And this isn't at all preachy religious -y or whatever. Are you familiar with theistic evolution? Not too much, not any more than surface level stuff. Right, right. Well, yeah. for anybody who doesn't know, and not so many words. It's basically like a marriage between science and religion, mm -hmm. or more accurately, religious people who agree with the theory of evolution and other things the scientific community generally agrees on, like the age of the earth and the Big Bang, mm -hmm. just that they're the result of the laws of nature established by God or whatever you want to call the higher power. I don't know anything beyond that, but that's that's always been, I guess kind of my thought process and my, I guess my belief system is similar to that in some ways. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I was a self-proclaimed deist in high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Shout out Ben Franklin, <laughs> founding fathers, bastards. <laughs> Not all of them, I hope. Yeah. The, uh, the guardian angel thing is cool though. I always, uh, it's kind of cheesy, but I had a friend who always said that her dog has kept her safe and stopped her from making a lot of bad decisions. She just kind of like makes decisions on who to talk to, what to do, who to trust. And when she's out alone, she always has her dog with her and she trusts her dog's intuition more than hers. And she has this theory that dogs specifically, even though we as humans have domesticated them, dogs specifically are the incarnations of guardian angels. For us. I could see that. Yeah. They tell us when something is wrong. They also tell us when we need to relax. Like anxiety, like when you're very anxious and stressed out, if you can look over and you'll just see like your dog just relaxing, sleeping on the couch, wanting you to just chill. Mm -hmm. You you get that sense from them like, oh no, I just need to chill. Uh they, they growl at people who they think are are dangerous. You know, they're a really good judge of character and Dogs, in many cases, save people's lives. So it's really kind of a corny thought, 
it's kind of, it's almost like a meme that you would see on Facebook that your grandma would post. Yeah, but, with some minions. <laughs> but I've always thought of dogs as actual, like since that conversation with my friend, I've always thought of dogs as guardian angels, which it might sound cheesy and stupid, but <laughs> that's... It absolutely does, but it's still cute and I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I am totally on board with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still a cat guy, but at the end of the day, animals are still humankind's best friend in my opinion yeah i feel like there's spirits in there there's spirits in those animals that are here to watch over us and protect us and be our guardians i love that story that was really cool i want to kind of transition over to the story that i told about the sleep paralysis demon i always find these interesting because for the most part the consensus around the world is that these sleep paralysis demons are usually shadow people right? You have sleep paralysis and you see the demon or the shadow person in your room. And it's usually just like an outline or sometimes it's the hat man. But this one was so interesting because it was like this person's own sleep paralysis demon that I couldn't find anything out about online. I did all of my demon rabbit Googling and searching through mythology, which just ended up being some like fictional stuff. But I couldn't find anything about a rabbit headed sleep paralysis demon or demon at all. And the creepy way that they described it was that it looked like a person with a rabbit mask or head that was Donnie Darko type shit. Yeah. But it was like, it was sewn on or connected to them in some way. So it wasn't quite a mask. It was almost like it was real. And they were like some kind of Frankenstein monster, like pieced together with this rabbit. But yeah, I thought of Donnie Darko immediately. That image of uh, what, what's the character's name? Frank. Frank. Yeah. That image of Frank. I couldn't get out of my head last night. And I was, I was creeping myself out, honestly, just waiting for this rabbit figure to appear in my room. But the weird thing was this demon would be telling the author to say my name. It kept saying, say my name. And towards the end, the person they were on the phone with said that they could actually hear somebody saying, say my name on the other end of the line. And so it was witnessed by two different parties. I just thought it was weird because I think back on exorcisms in movies and I kind of looked into some of this before we we started talking here. Priests always ask the demons to reveal their name so that we can have power over the demon. As soon as the, you know, the demon that possesses whomever they're trying to exorcise reveals the name, we officially have power over that demon. And it's weird that this sleep paralysis demon was saying, say my name, because wouldn't that, by all, you know, rules of Catholicism and exorcisms and demons, that would give the person power over that demon. So it was just kind of, it's a weird story. It's off the wall. It was confirmed by a second party over the phone that they could hear the demon saying, say my name. I don't, I don't know what to make of it, but I just thought it was such a, a unique and interesting experience all around. Well, first and foremost, I got to say, I kind of spaced out because I started listening to Destiny's Child a bit there. <laughs> yeah. Say my name. Yeah. But <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> good story. Good story. Um, I'm noticing a lot of 3 a.m. in this episode across these stories. Exactly. Yeah. This story happened first at 3 a.m. I was just thinking of that too. That's crazy. There's a lot of different theories on its origin. An interesting one that I came across recently was that Jesus supposedly died at around 3 p.m. So 3 a.m. is like a metaphorical inverted cross. Oh, it's the opposite. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's the furthest from Jesus you can get. 
3 a.m. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I don't know how much merit there there is to that. I don't know. <laughs> Knowing the exact time. Right. <laughs> is it Pacific Standard Time? Like, I mean, They had their G-Shocks <laughs> and Casios all tuned up. I mean, it was 3 o'clock somewhere in the world. So That's right. You know, that's funny. Um, this, this, this story also made me think of old hag syndrome. Have you heard of that? Yeah, but why don't you fill in our listeners? Yeah, so... Old hag syndrome, it's really just another sleep paralysis demon, but it's more widely known than a rabbit sleep paralysis demon. Mm-hmm. It's not as popular as the shadow man, but the old hag is basically that. It's just this old scary hag with like dreadlocks and you you have sleep paralysis and she appears on your chest and she's like beating on you, choking you. And she has like the this wild old hag face it behaved in a similar fashion, this rabbit demon, to like old hag and old hag syndromes. There's something about elderly women that scares the absolute shit out of me. Like of all things, <laughs> like creepy clowns, whatever, and yeah, masked yeah. chainsaw and stabbings and all that. But an elderly woman, I think it must be from The Shining. I think that's where it stemmed, that scene. in the nurses in Silent Hill... They weren't necessarily old hags, but still that same sort of vibe. I think it's because we see, let's say, grandmother figures as nurturing and sweet and protective. And so when we see them flipped and turned into something demonic or sinister out to get us, I think that plays on our subconscious in more ways than we realize. You're right. It's like this thing that's supposed to be sweet and perfect and like the most loving thing in the world being evil makes it 10 times scarier. I guess that's the whole idea with clowns then too, or clowns, killer clowns yeah. and all that, because traditionally they weren't for that purpose. They were entertainers trying to make people laugh. So probably the same thing. Just the old hag thing is a little bit less obvious, I suppose, if you think about that one. If I can make a recommendation for listeners uh, and maybe yourself, there's a Netflix series. Hopefully it's still on there called Marianne. And there is an old hag in that mo- in, or in that show, rather, that uh, I don't think there's a face scarier than that old hag's face in that show. I actually had to turn away from the TV at certain points because it was so unnerving and disturbing. I want you to pull up a picture of it just so you can see it. Marianne Netflix. Oh my God, I can't even look at it. It just scared the shit out of me. Oh, yeah. So I take it you looked at a picture of Marianne? Yeah, I did as you said. Yeah, I'm getting like the witch vibes from Snow White too. Oh yeah, definitely. That That's that's probably where mine That's an origin from. one. Yeah, I was thinking about yeah. that as we were talking about it. Yep. That used to scare the shit out of me when she gets real wide eyed and up, up like in the camera. Yeah, when the lightning strikes. And she's like, how about a mm-hmm. bite of the poison apple? Yeah. Oh, God, that's creepy. Yeah. And uh, the, the old lady from Marianne looks just like that. It's funny how there are some scenes in Disney movies that are genuinely scarier than modern horror movies today. Mm-hmm. Like, genuinely. But still be a family movie. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Super weird. But I like it. I love that. That's kind of that's what I love about like old school Disney. Yeah. It was, it was wild. It was out there. I suppose hindsight is 2020, but is using the word hag a bit of a slur? Is that kind of an ageist thing that we're going to get in trouble for? You know what? Old hags are scary. Um, I don't care. Thanks everyone for listening. And we appreciate all of you. Yeehaw. Uh, this week you have heard haunted mansion in Cape May by Maggie. 
Nightmare Nobody by Jane, Calming Presence by Archie, and finally, Strange Things That Have Happened in My House by Morgan. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com, and don't forget to sign up for our Patreon if you want ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bitrate for the best listening experience. And don't forget to check out the new episodes of all of our other podcasts at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week. Stay safe. Peace out.